Hello and welcome back to Endopod. My name is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. In this week's episode, we'll be looking at how coronavirus affects those with primary adrenal insufficiency, also known as Addison's disease. This is a condition which affects the adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys. It affects around 8,400 people in the UK. Adrenal insufficiency is an umbrella term used to describe a variety of conditions, which all lead to a decrease in one or more of the hormones produced by the adrenal glands. It can be primary or secondary or even congenital. The main form of primary adrenal insufficiency in the UK is an autoimmune condition called Addison's disease, but worldwide the most common cause is tuberculosis. Other causes can be tumours of the adrenal gland or even inherited genetic conditions, such as congenital adrenal hyperplasia due to 21-hydroxylase deficiency. The cause of secondary adrenal insufficiency is usually a tumour of the pituitary gland in the brain. For the purposes of the podcast, we will mainly focus on Addison's disease. Let's look at how the adrenal glands normally function. The pituitary gland, which is located in the brain, is the body's hormone master. It influences and controls all the hormone levels in the body. Normally, the pituitary gland releases adrenocorticotrophic hormone, ACTH, in response to corticotrophic releasing hormone, CRH, produced by the hypothalamus. The adrenal glands produce a variety of hormones in response to ACTH and can be divided into zones. If we take a single adrenal gland, it can be split into a central zone called the medulla, which produces adrenaline, noradrenaline and dopamine, and a peripheral zone called the cortex. The cortex is further split into three zones. The zona glomerulosa produces aldosterone, the zona fasciculata produces cortisol, and zona reticularis produces androgens. ACTH causes the adrenal gland to produce the mentioned hormones. There is a negative feedback system found in the hypothalamo-pituitary-adrenal axis. When the adrenal hormones reach high levels, they inhibit the production of ACTH and CRH to bring levels back down to normal. With Addison's disease, there are low cortisol and aldosterone levels. This comes about because of autoimmunity. The particular antibody involved in Addison's disease is called 21-hydroxylase antibody, which attacks the enzyme called 21-hydroxylase. Normally, the adrenal hormones are all synthesized from cholesterol. Cholesterol is converted into progesterone before being converted into aldosterone and cortisol. 21-hydroxylase is responsible for the conversion of progesterone, so when there are low levels of it, the aldosterone and cortisol won't be produced. So, why are low cortisol and aldosterone levels dangerous? We have already talked about the actions of cortisol in length in our previous episode about Cushing syndrome, but as a summary, cortisol is involved in increasing your plasma glucose levels and also keeping your immune system under control. Aldosterone is a hormone which is mainly involved in controlling your blood pressure. It is part of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which acts on the kidneys. Normally, the juxtaglomerular apparatus detects low blood pressure and releases renin, which converts angiotensin to angiotensin 1. Angiotensin-converting enzyme then produces angiotensin 2 from angiotensin 1, which causes systemic vasoconstriction to increase blood pressure and also leads to the release of aldosterone from the adrenal glands. Aldosterone leads to sodium and water reabsorption at the kidneys to increase plasma volume and therefore blood pressure. In Addison's disease, low cortisol levels can cause symptoms of hypoglycemia, 
such as extreme fatigue, fainting, abdominal pain, depression and other behaviour symptoms. The low aldosterone levels cause hypotension, leading to symptoms like headache, fainting, irritability, salt craving, etc. Other symptoms include weight loss, decreased appetite, tanning of skin, muscle pain, joint pain, body hair loss, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea and more. The tanning of skin is caused by high levels of ACTH produced by the pituitary gland in response to low aldosterone and cortisol levels. This is the body's way of trying to correct the low hormone levels. It thinks that if more ACTH is produced, then more aldosterone and cortisol will be produced. But the ACTH is obviously ineffective because the adrenal glands themselves are not responsive. The excess ACTH binds to the melanocortin-1 receptor on the surface of dermal melanocytes, leading to hyperpigmentation. Generally, people with Addison's disease need to take cortisol and aldosterone replacement therapy. This includes lifelong medications called hydrocortisone and fludrocortisone. Patients should always keep extra medication handy and carry a glucocorticoid injection kit in case of emergencies. So let's look at the issue at hand. How does COVID-19 affect those with Addison's and why are they at increased risk of the infection? It has been found that they are at increased risk of catching any infection. A study in 2013 found that patients with primary adrenal insufficiency were 1.5 times more likely to experience infectious episodes and 4.5 times more likely to be admitted to hospital due to that infection. This is because the condition is associated with impaired innate immune response. It leads to an impaired function and action of neutrophils and natural killer cells. It also significantly decreases cytotoxicity of natural killer cells. In Addison's disease, these cells are not properly activated and are present in smaller numbers, so this can be assumed to increase the risk of COVID-19 infection. Normally, when any infection enters a body, neutrophils will phagocytose the foreign pathogens along with the help of other leukocytes. If these cells are damaged and impaired, this will allow the coronavirus to invade the body. This may partly explain why there is an overall slightly increased mortality. Since people with Addison's disease take long-term cortisol replacement medications, they are at higher risk of infection. If they are on particularly high doses, this can have the effect of dampening the immune system. These medications can reduce the numbers and alter the actions of phagocytes and lymphocytes. Corticosteroids can prevent these cells from fighting coronavirus effectively as soon as it enters the body when taken in higher doses. Lymphocytes are highly specific cells that are responsible for immunological memory. High doses of long-term glucocorticoids cause low lymphocyte levels, meaning there may not be enough lymphocytes produced to actually establish that memory. People with Addison's disease are generally at risk of developing potentially life-threatening adrenal crisis if their body is exposed to major stress, such as fighting off an infection. Acute adrenal crisis, or sometimes called Addisonian crisis, is caused by insufficient levels or even lack of cortisol. It can be fatal if the individual cannot control and maintain their cortisol levels and the mortality rate is as high as 6%. It can also be brought about if a patient forgets to take their daily steroid medications. Symptoms of Addisonian crisis include extreme fatigue, confusion, dizziness, dangerous hypotension, tachycardia, fever, rigors, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain and more. In extreme cases, there may be loss of consciousness or even febrile convulsions. If people with Addison's contract COVID-19, they are at a high risk of developing adrenal crisis. 
so they need to be very careful and make sure they take their appropriate medications and shield themselves if required. If they display symptoms of Addisonian crisis, it must be treated immediately as it is a fatal emergency. They must be given corticosteroids to replace the lack of cortisol. Other important factors to consider in treating them is rehydration, balancing their electrolyte levels and getting blood sugar and blood pressure levels back to normal. As of 6 July 2020, lockdown has been relaxed further to allow people to meet in groups of up to six outdoors and single adult households will be able to form a support bubble with another. A lot of us will be glad as lockdown has had major impacts on our physical and mental health, but many others will be understandably worried. It's important to remember that shielding depends on an individual's personal health and their comfort zones. People with Addison's disease are encouraged to speak to their GP or nurse on what's best for them as they're clinically vulnerable. Regardless of lockdown measures, people who have Addison's should still follow social distancing measures. It goes without saying that lockdown has had major impacts on everyone's health, but particularly on those managing underlying conditions, including those with Addison's. The World Health Organization have published mental health tips and there are many online resources for those who are anxious about COVID-19. Keeping in touch with family and friends through social media is a great way of helping our loved ones deal with their worries surrounding COVID. It is important that those with primary adrenal insufficiency are well prepared in cases of emergencies such as adrenal crisis brought about by coronavirus infection. It is recommended that they have an emergency injection kit containing hydrocortisone and be up to date on how to self-administer injections. They should also have an emergency adrenal crisis letter completed and up to date. There are online tips available on how to prepare for hospital admission for those with Addison's disease and it is recommended that they have a look at this. Obviously, it is imperative that those with Addison's disease keep on top of their prescribed medications. Now it is especially important that they don't miss their medications as it can tip them into adrenal crisis and we have already talked about why that is so dangerous. The usual dosage for hydrocortisone is 20 to 30 milligrams daily and for fludrocortisone, it is 50 to 300 micrograms daily. The guidelines say for onset of signs and symptoms of COVID-19 and those with Addison's disease, they must take 20 milligrams of hydrocortisone every six hours. Fludrocortisone should be continued as normal. If they experience sudden deterioration and signs of Addisonian crisis or even severe COVID disease, they must immediately inject 100 milligrams of hydrocortisone and call for medical attention. Once they have been hospitalised, they will receive a continuous IV infusion of 200mg hydrocortisone per 24 hours, but fludrocortisone will be stopped. If IV infusion is not possible, 50mg of hydrocortisone can be administered as a bolus every 6 hours. In such a scenario, serum potassium must be strictly monitored as hypokalemia has been reported in patients with COVID-19. These values will be different in children, so guidelines should be followed. Once infection has passed, it is important to gradually reduce the doses of hydrocortisone down to their prescribed dosage. Abruptly stopping hydrocortisone will again tip them into adrenal crisis. Fludrocortisone can be restarted at this point too, when daily hydrocortisone dosages reach less than 50 milligrams. So, we've looked at what Addison's disease is and how coronavirus affects people with it. 
I hope this episode has been educational and although Addison's is considered a rare disease, it is still just as relevant. It is understandable that individuals suffering from Addison's may be worried during these unpredictable times and it is up to us as medical professionals to reassure them and give them adequate medical advice. Thank you for listening in this week and I hope you have learned a thing or two about Addison's disease. The main things to remember are that people with Addison's are at slightly higher risk of getting infected and if they do they are at risk of adrenal crisis. It is important that they are educated and informed on how to deal with their condition during times of emergencies or even if they are infected. Join us next week for another interesting episode as part of our Covendo series. Please do follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share the podcast with all your friends and colleagues and of course I always welcome any feedback. If you have any requests for future podcasts then absolutely let us know. As always, we're very grateful for the support we are receiving. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off. Mm-hmm.